Hi, this is Ariana Evans, and you're listening to I See You, Mama, a podcast where we talk mom-to-mom about the things that matter to us. And my guests today, I have two of them. They are Amy Carr. Hello. And Brooke Lamb. Hi. (laughs) And the theme that we're going to be talking about today is something that all three of us have in common, um, and that is postpartum depression that we have all experienced. And... um, We're going to just kind of go through that. There's a lot of sort of stigma that still sort of hangs on to postpartum depression. And um, we were sitting here discussing, uh, even as my children are old, are older than these people's children, than these ladies' children. And like, it was still 10 years ago. And then like 13 months ago is the youngest kid we have in the birds. So we're just going to talk about that, like our personal experiences and, um, I want to mention that um, Brooke not only is a mom, but she's also a licensed marriage and family counselor, and this is um, an area she deals in. So she's going to share a little bit about that at the end, um, or after we sort of share, and then, um, yeah, we're just going to dive right in with all this good stuff. So um, I'll go first if you guys want to do it. <laughs> Go for it. Well, I'll, I'll lay down the... the, the um, Blaze the trail? Blaze the trail. That's the <laughs> word I'm looking for. What am I saying? It's my brain is not coffee yet. It's a Monday. It's a Monday. A lot of things are happening. There's school protests. My kids are unexpectedly home and upstairs watching a movie. Good times, <laughs> everybody. Good times. We just got back from camping and it is a dump in here. Whew. There was a lot of yelling and sweeping before y'all got here. Like, <laughs> get your stuff out of here! <laughs> so, yeah. So now you're like, oh, look, the table's cleaned up. Like 30 minutes ago. Well, I'm impressed then. Because I would not have thought that. Right. I well, did not know there was yelling and sweeping. Pull right back from the brink <laughs> of insanity. <laughs> so I'll jump right in. So my daughter was born um, as a 35-weeker. Um, unexpectedly, I was doing yoga there in my living room floor, and all of a sudden, I was soaking wet, and I was like, oh, crap, I've peed my pants. No, my water broke mm-hmm. with, a, <laughs> with the cat-cow pose. Nice. And um, I was like, it is way too early. So after a difficult couple of days, or I guess they only let me go 24 hours, they, like, induced, because my body was like, we're not having a baby. I don't know what's going on with, like, the sack that broke, but we're not having a baby. So everybody needs to calm down. Uh-huh. And so she came really early, really tiny. And um, I also suffer from, have historically suffered from a little bit of seasonal depression, seasonal depression, mm-hmm. where it gets dark and I get sad. Mm-hmm. And so she was born in October, mm. at the end of October, and it just kept getting darker darker mm-hmm. and darker and she was so tiny and I was so freaked out and the cat weighed more than her and I thought if I put her down and he sat on her he could kill her I was like terrified mm-hmm. we brought this tiny little baby home less than four or less than five pounds mm-hmm. and so by six weeks there were well there were a lot of different things that kind of happened like it, it just felt like this gradual sort of slide downhill for me where eventually I was like crying all the time and um, the big one for me was obsessive thinking so there's this line in the 
movie Hercules where they the girls say, On Mount Olympus, life was neat and smooth as sweet vermouth. <laughs> and then I had seen this meme where it was a little dog with no teeth and his tongue sticking out. And it said, too much vermouth. And its tongue was sticking out. And I would literally bounce between those two things thousands mm. of times a day. Mm. And I was like, vermouth, 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 vermouth. Like, it means nothing. Like, they're not important. Mm-hmm. Like, if they didn't impact my life. I just couldn't stop pinging between those two images. Mm. I started singing my multiplication tables to stop. <laughs> like, that I learned in the third grade. Still didn't work. Um, finally, at uh, my six-week appointment, I went to my OB, and she was like, so how do you feel like you've been doing? And I just cried, and I said, if we would just stop writing, I would be fine. And she was like, oh, darling. And I was also, I was really resistant to being on medicine. I was like, how is this going to affect breastfeeding? How is this going to affect her? Like, I feel like it's a cop-out. What's wrong with me? I'm broken. Mm-hmm. Like, it had already been, like, a sort of, like, hard, like, I felt like my body had failed my daughter because I didn't carry her to term. Like, so many things were already going, like, yeah. crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to be like, and also your brain is broken. I was like, but, no. Yeah. So, um, but, you know, I resisted for a while. And finally, I was. I talked to my sister, who's a nurse, and she was like, you know what? Diabetics take insulin. Like, people who have all these pro- like they take medicine mm-hmm. because you're sick you're sick it's okay mm-hmm. and i like i started taking it and within 3 days i was like oh a noticeable yeah. like i was able to cope mm-hmm. i mean not well i still had a newborn sure. but like i wasn't like handing my daughter off to my husband and crying and saying you hold her because i'm the worst human and i don't deserve her mm-hmm. and she needs to go with you like yeah. You need to, like... There's just I'm, a little lift. Right. Like yeah, a little, it's like, pressure lifts a little bit. Let's put a little life jacket on you so you're mm-hmm. not underwater all the time. Right. And it was such a, um, like, big thing mm-hmm. for me to not feel like I was drowning all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Um, and I noticed with each child, with each child after her, that it was like this pathway had already been mm-hmm. grooved into my brain. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, I didn't go on medication with the other two, but maybe should have. Um, but I spent a lot of time like sitting in the sun and like taking vitamin D and going for walks and like doing these very like purposeful mental health things mm-hmm. that, um, yeah, that, that helped a little bit, but I still noticed. And also it was sunnier, like January was, it was so snowy that year. My middle guy was born. Mm-hmm. So it was like snowy and bright. And I was like, I'm fine. It's great. And then, <laughs> and then my third kid, it was spring. So I felt much better anyway. Mm-hmm. Well, 10 years out, like I recognize that, that that sort of groove is there permanently. Mm-hmm. And recently went back on medication because mm-hmm. I was like, I just want to be a good mom and stop yelling at everybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, I still yell a little bit. But I just want to be like here and yeah. not always be on the edge of like, I can't deal with this. Y'all right. need to stop, stop whatever it is, which is just being normal kids. Yeah. And so I went back on medication and that has been like a game changer. I was like, I probably should have been on this for a long time. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> dang it. I mean, you can only see in hindsight uh, yeah, what you for missed. Sure. But, yeah. But I mean, there were so many things that I sort of like mourned, like my little daughter 
um, I would just like look at her with like this really worried scrunched up face like like what's wrong with you are you okay and I never would smile at her and then once I went on medicine and was smiling she was like oh we're smiling like she smiled immediately at me and I was like oh all this time I've been so worried about you I haven't smiled and she like but she wasn't behind she just yeah. like it she was like oh hi right. I can smile too like right. But I just realized I hadn't, like, been smiling at her, like, like you know, like new moms do, like, mm-hmm. look at you, little, mm-hmm. I was just, like, looking at her with, like, a worried face, like, are you okay? You're going to live. You're going to be fine. All that preemie stuff. But it was, it was just, um, I felt a lot of, like, sadness and shame about it, like, mm-hmm. that I hadn't been able to cope with that. Um, and it's probably why I resisted going on medication again with the two boys mm-hmm. after my daughter. Mm-hmm. But in hindsight, I'm like, man, I just, I needed a lift out of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so, like, I think that this is why it's so awesome that you're doing a podcast about this. Because even in that phrase, you just said, like, oh, I didn't smile at her like new moms do, right? We have yeah. this perception in society around what new moms are supposed to be like. Oh, yeah, we do. And when we don't have that experience, like, that can be really devastating when in reality, so many people have this experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I was trying to think of, it's 21% of women. That's looks, a big chunk. 21% Worldwide of women or it just... In the U.S. In will the US. experience pre- or postpartum depression. That we know of. And that's reported. Right. That's just reported and not, not I mean, there's so many that are not reported, so... So it could be a much higher percentage. Yeah. I'm confident it is. Yeah. I'm, yeah. 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 And you're much more likely, and I don't know if you knew this, but when after you had your first child, once you've had it once, you're at much higher risk to have it in future pregnancies or births. Hot so, dog. What? Hot dog. I know. I know. <laughs> it's great. But, like, but I wonder if that was part of like your processing of having future children. Did you think about that? I did a little bit. Um maybe i don't know that i was that okay well i knew it was coming i guess yeah and i didn't i knew it was coming so i was very proactive about it but i didn't like i didn't stop having more kids because i was afraid of it i just knew i was like all right it's gonna happen Mm -hmm. and it did but i you know i think i was braced for it as opposed before i just sort of fell off the edge of a cliff and was like oh my god right and hopefully at least yeah you had some kind of expectation of like this could happen again yeah and that already reduces stress yeah because you at least have a framework right and you could go this is what i did last time to cope this is these are the resources and tools that i have yeah can use them again yeah even though nobody wants to experience it again (laughs) and and you may not you know some people don't have it in subsequent births but well, so we we didn't. I I did all this prep work before you guys, and now we're like we're gonna do this and this and this, and then we got talking, and I promptly forgot all that. <laughs> so <laughs> I wanted to sort of go around. So my listeners have been listening for a while. If you're new, um, uh, a little bit about me. I live in Nashville. I'm married with three kids, ages ten, eight, and six right now. And so we're talking about my experience with postpartum depression. And um, Brooke, you want to talk a little bit about your kiddos? And then we'll do Amy and then we can jump into the next story. Sure, yeah. So um, I'm Brooke and I live in Hermitage, Tennessee. And um, I have one son. He's 13 months old. So I'm definitely the the newbie mom here. The newbie, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I am married 
And we have two awesome dogs. Dogs. Yeah. I miss having dogs. Large, rambunctious, annoying, precious dogs. (laughs) (laughs) And Amy. Um, Yeah, Amy. Two children, seven uh, seven and nine. I thought I tried to... I um, didn't... I haven't ever really identified myself as somebody who experienced postpartum depression. So... I only can say that after my first child was born, my son, it's a very depressing thing to say. Mm -hmm. I was convinced that I had ruined my life. Mm. Yeah. Um, But not only my life, I had also ruined my partner's life. Mm. Um, And I had also created a human and had to kind of anticipatorily ruin his life as well. Yeah, I definitely relate to that feeling. Mm-hmm. It felt very sorry confronting. Yeah, and like there was no remedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was nothing to be done mm-hmm. because now trapped. the yeah. trapped. Yeah, dice were thrown. No, there was. There's literally no way out. Yeah. You, there's no turning back. You've walked through this portal. Mm-hmm. And you can't turn around and you can't... Almost everything else in life, you, you, you can experience failure. But you can also get out of it. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know, even if you go to jail, usually there's, there's a way out. There's an end to your sentence. There, yeah, there's, there is probate. You can change course. You can change yeah. course. You can start an educational trajectory and you can fail yeah and then you can just do something else mm-hmm. right but you it's like you can't fail at motherhood because you can't stop being someone's mother mm-hmm. right you you're the, there's you know absolute 100 percent job security you're not getting yeah you're never gonna get out, out of, of it, it. No. and then to say this was a really big mistake and it was my mistake yeah i didn't know how to get out of that i well, didn't know what um i couldn't redefine it in any way that wasn't this like utter total abyss yeah um i didn't re i never talked about it i didn't because i didn't see the point right i didn't see what good it would do mm-hmm. yeah um i didn't understand until probably years later that what I experienced wasn't was not average. Right. I didn't. I mean, I didn't have any any um, sounding boards. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I didn't compare uh, my experience to anybody else's. I only knew that it was just really, really bad and bleak and horrible. Well, and and weren't you at the time? Were you in England at the time? Yeah. Now I now I kind of see that there were a lot of <clears throat> a lot of factors. That even on a piece of paper, you would have l- labeled me a big candidate right. for a postpartum Out depression. of your home country. Yeah, I was in a foreign environment system. with no family support. And it's London, and it's dark, and you're I, gray. I was, I, was a, I was actually in Sydney, Australia. Oh, you were in Sydney what for your oldest. What were My husband and I just moved there. Okay. And we, we had been there for maybe two years. For work? Or? Um. No, we just decided to to oh. have this big experience, okay. and we did a big travel experience. 
I'm cool. sorry, my husband's British, so I'd been living in London Got for it. Okay. years before we did this. Okay. Then we did a big travel experience, and then we moved to sit to Australia, which was our goal. That was our right. plan. Okay. I, I didn't appreciate, though, how far away we would be. Mm. And I didn't appreciate the level of support that probably I would, would need. Yeah. And that I had placed myself in a position where the people who would have wanted to support me mm-hmm. were not able to do so. Right. Right. Because I was literally on the other side of the world. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Plus I was a professional working woman. I was an older parent. I was 40 when I had my son. Mm. I had had fertility challenges, including multiple pregnancy losses mm. before I became successfully pregnant. Yeah. Yeah. The loaded, whole, the loaded adjective successfully. Yeah. Um, yeah. All of that. Well, and then, and then like the I had additional pressure to, of like, this one has to work. I had decided to, pr- prior to the, my son coming on the scene, I had decided to abandon this whole endeavor of becoming a mother. And I had quit my job and I had decided that I would take six months out and then return to work on my own conditions. And of course, right in that gap is when I fell pregnant. Mm. My experience was extreme and that I did not perceive it as such when I was in it. Mm. I didn't understand that I had placed myself at some kind of risk and I didn't, I had no perception that this was unusual. Yeah. Yeah. I don't don't want to go so far as to saying I assumed that everybody else had had a similar experience. I was so far down in in a place of Mm non-responsiveness that I I was completely incapable of being anything like objective. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't don't think that you're able to. Like, it's your normal inside your head. Like, you don't look at yourself and go... Hmm, I wonder if I'm crazy. I don't know that crazy people ponder whether or not they're crazy. Like, and not to be flippant about the word, but like, or that depressed people ponder, I wonder if I'm depressed. Like, well, because what's happening in the brain, right, is like, and the brain is the thing with, with which we are trying to think, right? right? Yeah. So, so postpartum depression is an illness of the brain. I mean, it's a chemical problem. It's a lack of serotonin in the brain. Plus, you have, when that's just normal depression, so then you add in all of the postpartum hormones, which yes. the, in and of themselves, right, create severe mood swings and mm-hmm. and the baby blues, right, that everyone says you get just a couple weeks after, but so when that continues past the two-week mark, I mean, you're not capable of self-reflection. You're right. just trying to survive. Right. You're just trying to get through the next day, next feeding. You're just right. trying to sleep for two hours. Oh, yeah. Not to mention the effect of sleep deprivation. I mean, it, it is the perfect storm. And when you add in isolation mm. and um, risk factors such as infertility and losing pregnancies like miscarriage like those are all things like you said you are just geared up for it yeah oh it's like a test case i mean it's like a like let's like in a textbook i mean like textbook yeah um i i remember my husband going back to work after two weeks in australia you do get two weeks paternity leave oh which is considered very long i guess from a u.s perspective i guess 
But I remember him walking. <laughs> Two I re- week old baby, you're like, what? I re- no, no. I remember him walking out the door and saying, I'll be back at five. And I said, I I don't care. Hmm. <laughs> you're yeah. acting like yeah. we're still going to be here. Right? Yeah. 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 You're acting like I can do this. Yeah. Yeah. I never had sense of self-harm. Never actively felt like I needed to harm either myself or my baby. I just literally felt incompetent and like dead. Yeah. Like I couldn't do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know why everybody keeps looking at me like I have any clue what I'm doing or that I'm anything similar to a correctly functioning adult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Was amazing to me. Yeah. And I I couldn't I couldn't get past it. Um I I was under medical care. I mean, I did have a GP and honestly my memories are fuzzy, so I can't really remember what drugs they suggested. Right. Um I have a addiction in my family background and I absolutely 100% refused medication. Hmm. Really? I was terrified. Yeah. Because I thought the only thing that could possibly be worse than the current situation is if I become an addict. Mm -hmm. And that I can see that and I know where that leads. And I'll never, ever, ever get past it. I'll never, I don't know if I'm going to get past this, but I will never get past that. Right. And I know how bad that looks. Yeah. And so I just soldiered on and I just kept going. Yeah. (laughs) And. That ran its course. Some strange things happened. Very socially unacceptable things happened. The constantly breaking down in tears in public environments happened quite a lot. Yeah. The avoiding any, any, any challenge or any, any. I don't. I, I just had this like POW mentality of, well. I got myself in this situation and there's no way out and there's no assistance and no one can do anything and I just have to keep going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I just soldiered on and I just kept plodding forward. Yeah. And so you never, from then to now, like your oldest is nine, you've yes. never sort of like said, maybe I need some additional help. No. And I, I mean, like, I mean, I, we'll probably edit it out, but... The, the part where just before as you started telling the story like clearly there's this like there's this thing in you that like brings you to tears and I feel it too <laughs> to well, talk about that like that little neurological pathway has been sort of grooved for you so now you're left with soul unsupported care of this tiny child which you don't know how to do Yes, there's a neurological cascade happening as well. Mm-hmm. You have incredible pressure just to say everything's fine. Mm-hmm. And everything you've ever done in your identity is erased. Right. So it, to me, is incredible. Yes, maybe I had multiple risk factors. Yeah. But it also is amazing to me. If you say that the rate is 21%, I feel that that is a massive underrepresentation. I've, I am confident yeah. that it's much much higher. Yeah. I would say 50%. It's, it's if amazing. I had to guess. It's amazing right. to me that people don't become depressed. Right. That's what I hear you saying, is that with all of those multiple things going on for every person who has a child, yes. not, <clears throat> excuse me, much less extra risk factors, yeah. it's amazing. We, we And we are set up for it in our society. Yeah. Yes. And that is what is angering 
and frustrating and upsetting about the lack of care and attention that's given to this issue and that's given to women who have children to prepare them, to empower them, and give them the tools ahead of time. Because if someone had had that conversation with you, how differently could your experience have gone? Right. Of like this. Like this could happen. This could could happen. And in fact, like probably will Mm -hmm. to some extent. Obviously, there's a spectrum. But to some extent, you will struggle. It is okay to struggle. Yeah. Here are the ways that you can reach out and get help. Here are the people around you. You know, even if you're not in home, like in your home place, here are, here's a group, a free group you can bring your baby to. Here's, you know, postpartum doulas, like all these support things that we know about now recently. Right. Um, But we, so many people are not equipped with that. Yeah. And it's really a social justice problem. Yes. Um, And it is a result of misogyny. Absolutely. Yeah, um, and, and and urbanization. We, you know, you don't know your neighbor. We're not living we live in, in anymore. collectives, right. etc. My mom is six hundred miles away. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, who? We used to grow up in villages where your sixteen aunties who live next door would come, would come and take <laughs> like, care of you, take and, your older children, and like play yes, with them. and you would lay in bed for six weeks. Well, and if you were having trouble, like with breastfeeding, somebody would feed your baby. Yeah. <laughs> just nurse like, your baby. Well, I got a boob too. Yeah. Let's yeah. Start. Like exactly, because <laughs> we're all kind of in this thing. Right. Like, you wouldn't be left alone in your house to just sort it out. Right. No. I had one person in my neighborhood who um, is Chinese, and her mother came from China and lived with them for a year. Yeah. And I I came to understand that that is a that is a traditional Chinese they're way co- of su- communal society supporting mm-hmm. new moms especially so not to I, I don't I don't know that it's very helpful to like dwell on you know personal details I just I, I, f- I feel like I would want to say to people that I think I did have multiple risk factors that led to a strong and indeed perhaps extreme situation, yeah. but I don't think it was an unusual situation. Right. I think that many, 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 if not the majority, as I was saying, of mm-hmm. women experience this. And I think there's a terrible amount of pressure to be quiet. Mm-hmm. And that pain and discomfort, especially when it comes to threatening the Madonna style of serenity yeah. that we have imposed, when you challenge that by saying, no, that's not my experience, even if it's not to the extreme pos- that I did, there's a lot of pushback mm-hmm. by people who just want you to say everything's fine. Yes. Okay, I'm going to jump in around there. I was at a baby shower, and we were talking about postpartum depression, and somebody pulled me aside You're like, and said, you're scaring this mom. And I was like... I'm preparing I, this mom. She needs to know that this might happen. Like, wow. it, like she's like, stop I, telling these horror stories. I'm like, it's not a horror, horror story. It's, it's reality. When yeah. things go like, you know, we have this idea from movies, from books, from literature, from Instagram posts, from Facebook, like birth looks like this. Birth looks like X, Y, 
new newborn babies look like this motherhood looks like this mm-hmm. and it's not true at all yeah. it is it is an illusion mm-hmm. like that madonna it's more like greasy haired wearing mesh underwear and bleeding and like you're just like oh my god i don't know what i'm doing like there's yeah. this idea that women are like this maternal instinct will kick in it kind of does for some people like your the maternal instinct is I must make sure this infant doesn't die. Mm-hmm. That's the maternal infant right. instinct. Like, right. not like, I suddenly, Bliss. like, oh, the <laughs> angels, and it's fine. And it's, <laughs> none of that is happening. Yeah. Like, I remember my mom coming, it, my baby was two weeks old. My mom came, and, like, I was losing it. It was mm-hmm. my birthday. Like, nobody showed up, because I was like, I'm not going to have enough birthday. I'm two weeks postpartum I'm like a hot mess I'm living in this robe and like and her her statement was like okay she would you know go snuggle the baby and she's like you go rest but I couldn't like I couldn't just be like yeah my baby's somewhere else no Mm -hmm. that was like I needed that baby with me to rest like it Mm. was just it was not I mean even with the village I was like no (laughs) right I needed the village to come and cook and clean right and like do all the things and let me hold my baby and sleep yeah but the village like you know went back to work i was like wait no right (sighs) so then with that background yeah i had another child Mm -hmm. i never um, i never imagined i would have another child it was not a planned pregnancy Mm -hmm. it was not one that Mm -hmm. was prevented yeah in any way Mm -hmm. but it certainly wasn't was not planned uh you know a year later i fell pregnant with my daughter and so here's the hopeful message. After all of that very, very, very difficult first year with my son. Only difficult for me, by the way. The baby's yeah. fine. He's right. now nine. He's okay. <laughs> um, I had my daughter and I did absolutely everything differently. Hmm. Uh, I organized a home birth. That for me was very, very, very empowering to not place myself back into the hands of the medical profession. Mm-hmm. I did not experience the type of postpartum depression I did with my son, which I feel was a a lot about the medical profession and how it handles women. I refused all advice from anyone. Good for you. I love that. (laughs) I read no books. This is my child, man. Get out of my face. (laughs) I I took all, and I'm an attorney by profession. I read a lot of books in trying to prepare myself to become a parent with my son took all of those books and took them to the recycling unit because I didn't even want them to be put back into the flow of exchange. I wanted them off the marketplace. (laughs) Yeah. Because I read nothing. Yeah. I prepared nothing. I had sold all of my infant gear because I was convinced that I was only capable of having the one child and that at 40, it was a bloody miracle that he'd even been born. Mm -hmm. Right. So when they told me I was having another one, I was just absolutely shocked and stunned. I did not acknowledge the pregnancy until week 16. Yeah. Because I was wow. told that it was not something that was realistically possible. Right. Wow. Right. So and why get so attached? F- mm-hmm. Right. And, right. And I'd yeah. had pregnancy losses before. So. Right. And I, finally, I mean, I do remember walking around at like week, week 37 and saying that it looked pretty mm-hmm. likely that the baby might be fine. And <laughs> at this point, <laughs> might yes, make it. Yes. And as people and as people looked at me, they're like, "Well, I can actually almost make out the facial features through your abdomen. That's how developed this baby is. So I think it's going to make it." Yeah. 
Maybe you want to prepare to have that baby. Maybe I get like a bassinet or something. I don't know. Buy some diapers. Buy some diapers. <laughs> the second one, I felt more solid in yeah. that I knew more what to expect. Mm-hmm. I understood that I might face the depression again. Mm-hmm. But I felt like if there, it was impossible that it would be worse than the first time. Right. That was not possible. You yeah. made it through that. So whatever yeah. this mm-hmm. had on offer, I was ready for it. Yeah. And the the trusting yourself, all of the things that we do sometimes say, but I don't know that we really that we really believe, mm. is y- you are the best judge. Yeah. You can trust your intuition. Yes. And you know your child. Yeah. Yeah. When you're a pregnant woman, oh, you're so beautiful. Let me touch your belly. How are you doing? As soon as that baby comes out, it's all about the baby. Let me hold the baby. Oh my God, they're so cute. Well, you're like sometimes silently suffering. Yeah. And don't feel that you can go to Aunt Susie, who's so excited about the baby, and say, Aunt Susie, like, I am really miserable or I hate my life right now I hate my life and I'm glad that you're so excited Aunt Susie but I'm Uh (laughs) trapped in a in a hole of darkness so yay me you know like nobody wants to do that so ask women like ask them yeah how are you really doing what was your experience like oh yeah huh gonna talk about that now there's you yeah um before I say that I just want to say thank you so much for sharing Amy yeah like uh, your vulnerability is um, really powerful, and I know that it's difficult to come in front of people. You know, I know you know Ariana, but you don't know me, so thank you for sharing that. Yeah, um, I really appreciate it too. Yeah, there will be women that hear this and feel less alone because of you. Yeah. So, um, so my experience, I related to a lot of what you said, Amy. I had a really challenging pregnancy, um, which. Even getting pregnant, I was a little ambivalent about, um, Mm -hmm. which I know for women with fertility issues, this could be really angering, and and I see that. Um, I was the person who, like, got pregnant after two weeks of, you know, just sort of like, oh, whoops, I'm pregnant, you know, and really struggled with, oh, crap, what did I just do? Yeah. You know, like, uh, wait a second. Um, My husband was really ready. He's older than me. He had been married before, so he was like primed to be a dad. He wanted to be a dad so bad. And I think I was like, sure. <laughs> like I was very laissez-faire about it. <laughs> Wait, what did I just sign up for? I don't recommend that. I recommend <laughs> really considering it. Um, <clears throat> so that happened. And then I had a really hard pregnancy. Um, mm. I just a lot of, thankfully, no serious devastating issues, but just okay. really difficult um, headache, horrible headaches, Um a lot of physical discomfort. At the end, I had pups. Have you guys heard no, of pups? That? Where you break out in like, it's like mm-hmm. a rash. Yeah. I hope none of you experience it. It's horrible. Um, basically, your whole body becomes allergic to your baby's blood cells that are ah. circulating in your body. So you break out in an itchy rash all over your body. Oh my gosh. And the only cure is delivery. So for the last two weeks of the pregnancy, I essentially didn't sleep because I was up all night, like scratching my feet until they bled. Oh, it was horrible. Gosh. It felt like I was in like a torture situation. Um, and then not sleeping. And then I ended up having an almost 11 pound baby. Holy <laughs> mess. <laughs> and I'm five foot two. So, um, 
so just all of that, I just had a lot of stuff. And I didn't realize until much later that I was actually depressed in my pregnancy. Yeah. Um, And if you have prenatal depression, you're certainly very (laughs) likely to have postpartum depression. So, but I couldn't see that. I was like, yeah, I couldn't see it. And even as a trained counselor, that you couldn't see it even as a trained counselor like that. That is saying something. Yeah. Hear that, You know what people. I mean? Like, <laughs> I do this for a job, yeah. and I couldn't see it in myself. Like, yeah. that is saying something. Yeah, it is. Yeah, and I, like, yeah, that's what I do for a living is, like, help other people see that they're having these issues. Yeah. And I, because depression, so much of it is a disconnection. Mm-hmm. It's a sense of numbness or feeling lost or feeling not yourself not in your body not present if you're crying all the time it's not because you're super connected right it's because you're ultimately disconnected and that's a really disorienting and disturbing thing to feel so yeah so I didn't see that in my pregnancy and I also felt like all that shame of I should be excited everyone else is excited everyone else is happy I had a vague sense of loving my baby like I felt connected to him. I loved feeling him move, but there were so many other things going on that I couldn't get excited. And I also didn't know what it was like to have a baby. So when people are like, are you so excited? I'm like, I don't know. Like, yes. Like, I mean, I don't know. So then when he came and he came after a, after the pups and then a 36 hour induction that ended in a C-section, my body and my brain and my heart were just so depleted. Yeah. And I felt like I have just been given the biggest task I'll ever be given when I have nothing to give. Right. And I am so, like, empty. I'm just, like, an empty shell of a human. And you're trying to ask me to be the primary sole caregiver for this child. Like, I can't do this. I can't do this. I don't want to do this. I need to just sleep for a billion years. Like, that's how I felt. Yeah. And I immediately noticed, you know, again, I loved my baby. It wasn't like a lack of care for him. I knew I had that maternal instinct of, I will do whatever I have to do to take care of my child. Yeah. But my husband, like, was immediately in love with him. Just over the moon, like in the hospital. Oh my God, he's amazing. I want to, he wanted to keep him in the room overnight with us. And I was like, listen, we're about to go home and we're going to have him every night for the rest of our lives. I'm sending him to the nursery because I have to sleep. And even that I noticed like, what's wrong with me? Yeah. That my husband wants him here and I don't. I want him far away because I can't take care of him. I feel like I'm not capable of this what does that say about me as a mom? And that just continued as I went home of going through the motions, doing everything to take care of him, but emotionally just really disconnected. And um, that turned into, over time, more so of postpartum anxiety, which um, for people that don't know, postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety, and postpartum OCD are sort of three separate, very common mood disorders. And then you also have postpartum psychosis, which is pretty rare, but that's the one where it's like a true emergency, you want to harm your baby situation. But the other three are are not physically harmful so much as just mood. You know, they just are really disruptive and distressing. But so I had more anxiety where I would be like, 
obsessing about he has to nap at this certain time and if he doesn't nap then like my whole day is gonna fall apart and I would like cry so hard if he wouldn't sleep or you know just all these like fixations of like this is how I'm gonna get through this day yeah Mm -hmm. um and I just really didn't like myself (laughs) you know I was just like this like crazy like controlling angry angry person yeah my husband would do one thing and I'd be like (laughs) and he'd be like what's wrong with you I think yeah I was so fixated on this is what has to be the schedule that I was missing the fact that my child is actually very easygoing right (laughs) and he would have been just fine if he didn't nap as often as I wanted him to right and but the reality was was it wasn't about the naps it was about my sense of I feel like I'm hanging on by a thread Mm -hmm. and this is my thread yeah and I I've learned now to give myself grace for that that like I was just doing what I felt like I could do to get through yeah. And I wasn't hurting anyone, and it was miserable for me, but pretty much nobody else. Although maybe my child a little bit, because I would bounce him until he fell asleep in anger sometimes. Mm-hmm. But, you know, so I think... I don't think he remembers. Right, he doesn't. And that's really important, I think, for moms yeah. to remember. And that's a conversation I have with a lot of my clients who are coming in in, in that postpartum phase. Right, so yeah. they're in it. And that's such a good time to come in, because I'm able to say to them, like, your child from his or her perspective, knows that you love them. Right. Because newborns perceive love as care. Mm-hmm. Is my mommy taking care of me? Right? Am I fed? Am I fed? Held. Yes. yes. Are, is she snuggling me? Is she changing me? Like, they don't know that you don't think they're amazing every second. Like, and that that's okay. Right. And that was so comforting to me because now I look back at pictures of my son as a newborn and I feel those feelings of grief because yes. now I look at them and think, oh, my God, like, he's amazing. You yeah. know, like, he's so beautiful. Wow. But at the time, I couldn't see that. Yeah. yeah. And that makes me sad because I feel that I lost out on something. Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, not that you did, but that I understand right. that you feel, yeah. you're like, I am the primary victim of all of this crap. Yeah, I missed <laughs> I'm the out. one who didn't, yeah. I'm the one who didn't have the best start as a yeah. mom. Yeah. You know? And that's, and that's sad for me because I know he will never be that size again, you right. know, but I take comfort that he doesn't. Yeah. He didn't suffer. You we know, I took care of him. Them. Yes, he knew that I was going to take care of him. Yeah. And I was going to be there for him. And we have an amazing bond now, you know. So, but I think you really have to let yourself grieve that. And you have to let yourself feel that it's um, it's sad yeah. that I didn't get, not that I expected it to be blissed out every second, but I certainly was hoping for more than what I had. Right. And that's okay. And I think um, I certainly hope that because, you know, this is, I will have at least some expectation if we have another child. Yeah. I hope it will be different. Um, But I also accept that it might not. Right. Um, And that's okay. Well, what would you say, like, for moms who are in this, who maybe don't have access to someone like you Hmm. um, to go and see somebody, like, what... I know that there are things that I use as tools, but what would you recommend for someone? Like, because we kind of rely on, like, somebody else to catch it. Like, our OB or our spouse. But, like, you know, that doesn't always happen. And it doesn't always happen for us. Like, we need somebody else in our life to say, Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. Are you, what's going on, babe? Yeah. You know? Yeah. 
I mean, I think a hundred percent it's community um, because isolation is basically isolation is going to compound any problems that are already there or are budding. Yeah. Um, And community can look like a lot of different things. Right. You know, obviously in my mind, ideally like a new mom's group. Right. You know, um, and we actually have a free support group every week for new moms. You might need some older moms in there who can actually like show up and not have newborns as well. Like, sure. Hold your kid. Hang yeah, on. I yeah, to, absolutely. I, I'm through the weeds. Right. I can also do things for you. Yes. So surrounding yourself ahead of time. And I think having a postpartum plan mm-hmm. is so important. Everyone talks about the birth. Everyone talks the about labor plan. and birth plan. Ha ha, birth plan. What is that? Chumps. Let me tell you. <laughs> it all goes yeah, around. Yeah. None you of just got to flow with the birthing. But people don't plan it for postpartum. Right. And it's so important ahead of time to say, like, who... Is going to be with me. Yeah. When my husband goes back to work, who is going to be with me? If you can have a supportive family member stay with you for several weeks. Yeah. Who is sensitive to you, knows you, Mm -hmm. knows how you usually act, knows that, you know, can pick up on those signs. Right. Of, you know, my mom knew. My mom stayed with us for a few weeks and she knew. Mm -hmm. I don't know if she knew necessarily what to tell me to do yeah um but she knew right and I knew she was there and I knew she could tell that I was having a hard time yeah even that is so important because if things had gotten worse which you know if we cross the line into some scarier territory of thoughts of self-harm thoughts of generally with depression women do not think about harming their children right they Maybe think about a, like leaving them with someone else. Like, they think so about harming themselves them. because yeah. they think they're not capable or they're not a good mom. Yeah. Um, if that were to come up, I knew I could tell my mom that. Yeah. Which is so important. Yeah. Um, I knew I had several friends. You know, I had a meal train lined up, but people who were coming over every day, and I had people that I remember do. I remember telling them, "I don't want to die." But I want to get in my car, yep. and I want to go to a hotel, like, 100 miles away, and just be by myself. Mm. And I just don't want to come back. Yeah. And that I could say that to someone, and they could go, like, one, I hear that, and I love you. Two, like, that sounds like depression. Right. You know? Like, that... Okay, right. So then I, I went back, and I did end up getting on medication, and I did go back to therapy, and... Um, Lexapro is my drug. It's amazing. Um, and I was I on it before. That's what they put me on before. I had a history of anxiety already, so I was already familiar with that drug, but it is so important for my mental health. Um, and I had resisted getting back on it because I'm fine, I'm fine. Yeah. Screw that, man. I'm so much happier on it. Yeah. <laughs> so just having those people that I knew, like, I can say this to them. Um I also want to say this. No one's going to take your baby from you yeah. if you say you have depression. And I just want to take moms and, like, look at them and say, no one's going to do that. Right. Tell someone. Yeah. We're only going to have that problem if you're thinking that your baby is the devil and that you want to drown them. Right. If that's happening, yeah, we're going to hospitalize you and protect your child. Right. But if you're depressed but get and you sad. you the help you need. Not, yes, like, absolutely. Yeah. We're going to take care of you. In that situation. Yeah. Most people don't have that experience. Most yeah. people are sad. 
They think about, my family would be better off without me. Yes. Sometimes you see images of everything terrible that can happen to your child. Oh, gosh. That's very, very common. Walking through the house, I see the knife flying across the room. I see him falling down the stairs. You see those images. That is not psychosis. That is postpartum OCD. Mm. As long as those images are distressing to you, and you think, oh, my God, I have to protect my child from all this stuff that could happen. Like, that is a protective maternal instinct gone to extreme. Right. No one's going to take your child from you. Yeah. That's OCD, completely treatable. Yeah. Very, very common. So yeah, <laughs> those I are the, the things I always want to tell people. <laughs> I had the thought every it's time I climbed the stairs, like, at the end of nap time, even though I had a monitor, and I was like, I'd climb the steps, and I'm like, what if she's dead? Like, mm-hmm. even with, what if he's dead? Like, mm-hmm. what if he's dead in his mm-hmm. bed? And I've been down here, like, enjoying the other children or whatever, and they're up here, and they're blue. And that's, like, yeah. and I've, like, yeah. I, every time, yeah. until they were probably, like, two yeah. years oh, old. My son's 13 like, months, oh. and I still regularly, I don't fixate on it, but I regularly think, yeah. like, okay. And you know what that is? Legitimately, that is the m- maternal instinct. Yeah. Um, because it's protective. Right. Like, if we were still living in the caves with saber-toothed tigers everywhere, we Ooh. should be that vigilant. We should right. be hyper-vigilant on our offspring. Yeah. Recognizing that that's actually a good thing. Yeah. But that we can learn to rein it in, just turn the volume down, because we don't live in a world where we need to think that way. Yeah. Um, well, and I can open the door and peek and go, you're alive, okay. Exactly. Yeah. And we have all of the, you know, the things within reason that we can do to keep them safe. And then beyond that, it's out of our control. And learning to just accept that lack of control is a lot of the work that we do in therapy. Because being a mother is inherently the most vulnerable thing that I think anyone can ever do. Man, I would agree with that. Your heart is walking around outside your body. Yes, it is. Yeah. And you are aware of that every single second of your life. So, And I think there's so much pressure on it when people are like breastfeeding, like, not breastfeeding, co-sleeping, not co-sleeping, like all these debates that we get, that we get sucked into as moms. Yeah. And and I'm not saying that stuff doesn't matter, but I think in the grand scheme of the, your life with your child, it really is a very small percentage of what makes up your relationship with them. And if those decisions are made by you in love and in the best informed way that you have, that works for your family, then your child is going to be happy and healthy. Yeah. And um, having a happy, healthy mom is so much more important to your child than whether or not they get exclusively breast milk. Right. And that, that was part of my story was I wanted to nurse so badly, but he had such a bad tongue tie that my nipple was like almost falling off. It was horrible. Right. And failure. I ended up failure. Failure, yeah. So yeah. I ended up Air quotes. pumping for six months. So he got, uh, it was horrible. I don't recommend that. Just go to formula. I'm sorry. (laughs) Don't do that. It was horrible. So I exclusively pumped for six months and then went on formula. And um, finally switching to full formula was the best decision I ever made. And and I think I only went as long as I did pumping around the clock because I felt pressured to. Mm -hmm. And, And I finally was able to take my power back and say like, my child needs me. Yeah far more than he needs breast milk yeah and he needs me to be happy and healthy yes and have sleep and have like a normal functioning life yeah um and not be up at two pumping exactly and and you know for every woman's going to find their own path and every yes. family's going to work out what's good for them 
and we should just support each other yes. and say like you are you amazing Good job. yes like you provided for your child and if you're dealing with postpartum depression like you are a warrior man yeah. that you are like getting up every day and doing the work yeah even while you're battling something that's really heavy um like you are a good mom yeah and will continue to be one and for future topics in the same way that the birth is the beginning of your relationship with your child so is all the rest of it 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 you will continue you even if you walk through a dark space ultimately you will realize that you are your best authority and that you are the best mom for that child. Mm -hmm. Because you know what? You're the only mom for that child. Mm -hmm. So it's you, you are doing the, you're not only doing a good job, you are doing the best possible job. Yeah. And that will continue. And it will continue into what preschool should they go to? What school should they go to? What sports should they be what part college? of? What should be their educational They're trajectory? They're going to get married. Is <laughs> what? What, go what year should... Gap year. What <laughs> about drinking? What about driving a car? On and on and on. But you're, form, but you're formulating a relationship. There is no perfect answer to no. any of it. It's not breast versus formula. It's not home birth versus medical birth. It's mm-hmm. not uh, these, these black or white choices. It's forging and there's no book it's forging your own path with your child Mm -hmm. and with your partner Mm -hmm. so another thing in case anybody is listening who who is in the midst of it right now Mm -hmm. your best per if you have a partner that person is your your best first hope Mm-hmm. Because they are the one other person who is probably walking this with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's a tendency to turn on each other because oh, yeah. of stress, etc. Right. And that's understandable. And there will be arguments. There will be bad moments. Mm-hmm. But try to try to reconvene and be like, we are our best way forward. Right. Your yeah. partner's not your enemy. Like you right. guys are on the same team. And I will say it's important to remember that men can also have postpartum depression. I would completely i mean we are hot mess like the two of us <laughs> like we are both yeah. just sort of like clinging to yeah with but you're together yeah you're doing it together i don't know that we were like really on the same team at that point i was like i might kill you i was so mad at him who hasn't birth. felt that way though about their partner when <laughs> right. you're like up feeding your baby in the middle of the night and they're just laying there blissfully sleeping you're like i hate you <laughs> yeah my husband can fall asleep in like a half second yeah and i'm always like good for you but even i mean as as our time wraps up (laughs) i mean even with all of that even with this like extreme story that i've you know we're all still a functioning family unit right oh yeah you're stronger because you you went through that together i would never ever want to anyone else to you know i wouldn't mandate someone else to have this experience right but it is true that having had it it makes you a Mm -hmm. more you know forceful centered and bizarrely, ironically, confident parent going forward. Yeah, right. absolutely. Because you go, well, if I got through that, mm-hmm. and we all got through that intact, and we're all fine, we're probably it's probably going to be just fine. Right. right. Oh my gosh. So this has been we've we've been talking for an hour, and I still have so much to say and want to hear about both of y'all stories. And that's what's so impactful about this. Um, that this is. You know, things that I didn't know going in. 
And so I just want to say thank you to both of you, to Amy and to Brooke, for being willing to share your stories and to be vulnerable. It's such a good thing to lead with vulnerability to, to for people to know that you're not the only one out there because mm-hmm. it does feel so isolating. It does feel like I'm broken and no one else is having this experience. Mm-hmm. And that's just not true. So thank you so much for coming on the show and we could talk for like another hour I'm sure but got, <laughs> y'all got stuff to do I got stuff to do our listeners you can't stay on here forever you gotta go <laughs> <laughs> live your life yeah so thank you so much for coming on the show I really appreciate you both and do you have anything to additional to add no I just want to say thank you because I you know the more that we can have this conversation publicly the better so yeah. thank you for using your podcast to, <laughs> to talk about this and um and I look forward to more yeah thank yeah. you all right Amy yes I think everybody's unique but I also think that any feeling that you're having however good bad indifferent it's been felt before which is not to minimize but just to say n- none of us are ever alone yeah mm-hmm. there's yeah. no experience that is that unique So if you're having it, someone else has had it too. Probably having it right now. Probably feeling this way right down the street. Yeah. I just remove the stigma. Talk about it. Try to find friends and other people who maybe have had something similar. And really, half of the world's adults are parents. And so there's a lot of people out there who've had this type Mm -hmm. of experience. Yeah. Men and women. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, guys. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Those are some powerful stories. Postpartum depression looks different for different people, and these are our stories. My two guests on the podcast and I are on the other side of postpartum depression, but while in the middle of it, it felt so huge. If it feels like that for you today, there are resources available. If you or someone you know is seeking help for mental health concerns, asking for help from a therapist or social worker or psychiatrist, and telling your doctor how you're feeling are all great first steps. If you don't have access to a professional, please talk to your partner or someone you feel safe with about how you are really doing. If you are feeling isolated in your motherhood, there is a worldwide network of mom's clubs that I personally have had a wonderful experience with. Please reach out and find community, even if it's awkward and your first impulse is to stay at home with your new baby. I promise it will get better in relationship with others. Also, if you are feeling suicidal, homicidal, or having delusions or psychosis, please, please go to the ER. I know sometimes I used to feel like the world would end if I didn't show up and do the work, so it was hard to take the time to take care of myself, but your kids need you, a healthy you, so taking the time is worth it for everyone involved. If you need someone to talk to, the crisis number here in Tennessee is 855-274-7471 and is available 24-7. 
if you urgently need to talk to someone or are having a mental health crisis. There is also a national number for postpartum or antenatal depression, and that is 1-800-PPD-MOMS. That's 1-800-773-6667. Thank you all for listening, and I see you out there. Have a wonderful day.